0: Hey friends, welcome to the eighth episode of the Juicy Details. Today we come to you live with my good friend Mary Jane Smith, better known as MJ to most of us. Hey MJ, thanks for coming today. Hey Hillary, great to see you, great to be here, thank you. Thank you, thank you to all of our fans who are joining in. You know, I've had a few comments, a few emails, a few text messages of people that are really excited to tune into the Juicy Details. So thank you for the support and thank you for believing in the potential of making this something that's actually real versus just for fun. So <laughs> I appreciate everybody. Uh, we've covered topics from everything from career to mental health and wellness to, you know, gut health to community involvement to Bush beer, anheuser Bush beer, and um, ready to drink cocktails. So we've kind of covered a gamut of things. And today, Mary Jane's going to talk to us about her career path and artificial intelligence. I am horrible at artificial intelligence. I don't really know what it does. I have no idea about why my internet serves me up ads versus it's stalking me. I have my phone nice and close to me today, so it's picking up all of these things that it's going to feed me. Uh, But first, per usual, we're going to start with our gold rush. Lumi shot. Love Mm -hmm. you, mean it. MJ, thank you for being here today. Love you, mean it. Cheers. Cheers. Mm -hmm. so this is full of turmeric lemon ginger pear and cayenne so turmeric's really good to help with um prevention of inflammation and brain health and uh i love it i drink one every day a couple times a day so you can get your your lumi shot at lumijuice.com or on amazon all right mj mary jane tell us everything how'd you go from mary jane to mj well, it's it's interesting. Um, it's a family
1: name. I was named after my uh, Irish Gaelic great great grandmother by my grandfather. Okay. And uh, the spelling is M E R I. It means by the sea. And that's um, when I was in kindergarten. I remember telling my mom, "You have to call me Mary." Mary Jane sounds too babyish. I didn't want the double name thing. This is growing up in Minnesota. After moving to uh, the South back in 1999 as a 19-year-old. Uh, I'm dating myself here. Um, the double name thing is a big thing in the South. Oh, it's and, so um, big in the South. Yeah, and I and I started to kind of adapt to that. And of course, as I became an adult, there's a lot of songs about Mary Jane, um, the person Mary Jane, and other things. The drug Mary, Mary Jane, Jane. The drug Mary Jane. Um, Michael Jordan, Michael Jackson. I started to kind of really enjoy those initials. So, and it does make it easier when you go to Starbucks and order your coffee. Um, they never misspell your name wrong if you just say it's MJ. So that's how
0: I got there. I love it. So MJ, thank you for that. I haven't heard that in the 12 years I've known you. So MJ and I met, I think in 2012, and it was at this great restaurant called Monoloco here in Charlottesville, Virginia. And when I first met her, I was really excited to meet her because she had this, like, such this powerful force of, like, this woman is excited about life. She's ready to take on the world. But I was also a little scared because I'm like, well, like, she's so, she's so empowered. How can I, like, be that confident in myself? And, you know, from then until now, you've just been unstoppable, and you've really just created a life for yourself in different avenues, most recently finishing your your MBA, your master in business. So maybe just walk us through the past 12 years since I've met you and how you've transformed into this amazing woman in business.
1: Uh, Thank you for saying that. It's interesting. We were talking before we went live today, and um, you reminded me of when we met and... um, at that time in my life, I just was, was leaving a marriage, um, newly separated. And it's so interesting to hear the feedback that I present as potentially intimidating or, um, you know, confident and, and, and like a successful person. Because at that very moment, I really was in transition. And I felt not successful. I felt and I felt terrified, right? My marriage had en- was ending. I had two young children. I'd been out of the full-time workforce for, for over almost 10 years um, and was really trying to figure out who I was and what I was going to do next. So um, it's, I, I get the feedback sometimes that I'm intimidating um, in, in the very best way that I, I've got myself together, but I didn't feel very put together back then. So it's interesting to hear that from you, and obviously we've had a friendship that is... Um, a friendship of peers and you're also incredibly talented and I'm, I'm, I'm lucky to know a person like you and I know you were very supportive with I was trying to figure out a job back then what, what can I do and you helped me open some doors and um, have some opportunities uh, even to get an interview for things and you were in such an incredible businesswoman at that time so I feel like I might have maybe caught up to like seventy five percent of the capacity disagree, of Miss Hillary Lewis Marie. Thank you. By now, but so in in twenty twelve I was uh, searching. I had done some property management in my marriage, and I transitioned that into um, real estate. I, that was the easiest uh, least path of resistance. And um, prior to that, I'd been a, a baker, um, an artisan baker. I'd been a office manager Wait, for architecture. Your, what was your
0: favorite thing to bake?
1: I actually learn. So I grew up with my grandparents, my maternal grandparents, okay. my mom and my maternal grandparents in the house together. And my grandmother loved to bake. So I, that was something I remember doing a lot with her. And what would
0: she bake? Like what was her favorite thing?
1: Just simple cakes, you know? Okay. And so when she died in, it was around the year 2000, I was living in Charlottesville and I, I took, at that time I'd quit a job. It was a professional job uh, for an architecture firm. And I wanted I was grieving and I wanted to do something that reminded me of her. So I took an apprentice job at, um, Admiral baking company.
0: Have you ever had a princess cake? For those of you in Charlottesville, it's the best cake ever. And I think it might be gluten-free cause it's all almond, right?
1: I, it is made with almond, uh, marzipan paste. And I don't remember if it's almond flour. It's been a while, uh, yeah. since I've made any of those, but, uh, that was my first baking job. I wanted to learn to do, um, shape, you know baguettes and yes. make croissant and all of those things so Jerry Jerry Newman croissant,
0: that was so good I my me, that was amazing
1: he gave me the 4 a.m to okay. 12 p.m shift and luckily I found a little apartment across the street from the bakery okay um, that's where I learned to bake my favorite thing is shaping dough it's uh meditative it's like sculpting um I love that. so yeah
0: do you have a yeast starter at home now, and are you making any bread at home?
1: You know, I used—it's really something. It's like having children. I, yes. I learned to bake bread before I had children. Yes. And using um, a sourdough starter, yes, like the mother starter, is very different than you know the, the dry yeast that you buy in the grocery store and activate with warm milk. So a sourdough starter needs to be fed on regular intervals, like children, oh like goodness. you literally can't, so you it's can like, put it's like it in a, the it's fridge. It's like a plant,
0: like I'm going to kill it probably. Yeah. It's okay. a living
1: thing. And yeah. so it needs to be maintained and you can put it in the fridge and let it go to sleep the yeast for a little while and really? then take it back out. So the answer, the long answer to your question is that no, I don't do a lot of, I don't do much of any baking at all at home. Cause I'm now very attached to the way I was able to do it in a professional environment. Yeah. And so um, I got to use all those professional things. And um, so I just, I, I buy I use cake mixes and once in a while I'll do brioche, um, homemade brioche at home. And that one is one that's uh, manageable for, for a home kitchen. But I do, I do hope that um, I'll be able to part-time, you know, do some baking again in the future just at, at, on a volunteer basis in, in a professional kitchen. I love it.
0: That's awesome. Okay, so from there, your part-time job baking and learning how to bake you then went so then on. fast
1: forward so I, yeah. I i met my now ex-husband i'm remarried now but this is back uh, right at the time i met you so in the time fast forward we got married decided to have a family yep. um and i uh finished my undergraduate degree at that point as an okay. adult um, yes. at uva i'd gone to college for my last two years of high school yes where i grew up in Minnesota came to, to Virginia, to Charlottesville, thinking I would transfer right into UVA. Didn't do that and uh, finish until I was actually 28. Okay. So I did that in my last marriage, uh, had two children, got into some property management, learned the ropes of that, which led me to real estate. Um, and that kind of, uh, I did a little stint right around the time I met you or right before I met you. Uh, I worked for the very last year at the Hook newspaper. Everybody in Charlottesville Ooh. knows the Hook newspaper.
0: Yes. Um, what did you cover at the Courtney Hook? Courtney
1: Stewart and Haas Spencer gave me my very first newspaper job. Um, my degree from UVA is in English literature, so I always wanted to, to write. And I was I was there one day a week on um, press day. So I would redline the, the newspaper before okay. it would go to print. Okay. I loved it. It was And it was the last year of the Hook. I got to work with Lisa Provence. Um, Dave McNair, Courtney Stewart, Haas Spencer. So where
0: are all these Um, people now, though, since The Hook is no longer around?
1: Haas is uh, with The Daily Progress now, and we keep in touch. Courtney Stewart has... um, She just had a show, a real crime show on Netflix. Everybody knows Courtney. Um, She's got a podcast that she's doing. Um, Lisa Provence is still doing some reporting, I think, for The Daily Progress. Dave McNair has the the DTM, the downtown mall. Um, It's a uh, website. I'm I'm a subscriber for for local news. So everybody's... Everybody's still still kicking I in the news that. world.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. so great. Okay, yeah. And what so, we, so you were just you were red not just you were redlining to make sure that all of the articles going to print had no grammar mistakes in them.
1: Yes, yes, and most of the time I and got it right. Cha- <laughs> <exactly>. <laughs> so, and yeah. changing, were you changing yeah. the
0: bylines or fixing any anything to make yes, them a little more very exciting little to read?
1: I did a couple interviews, which I thought was needed. If the hook hadn't, you know folded after a year i might have moved into more journalistic reporting i did do just a little bit of that i still have um a little ptsd from having to put the movie times i'd have to go check the movie time websites and drop those in that was that was uh uh not my favorite thing but so like um,
0: if you like was anybody upset did you ever put in like a 245 movie but it really started at 235
1: i'm sure that i probably messed with some people's lives and um if if you're listening now uh, please take my apology i'm sorry the data transfer might not have been perfect.
0: I love that. Um, There was no AI yet.
1: There was no AI yet. No, no, not at all. So when I met you in 2012, I had been out of the workforce, maybe just in with the hook, the last year of the hook. And maybe in 2013, I started to really, was I going to go back and get another degree? I had an undergraduate degree. I thought about being a nurse. Okay. Um, and doing one of those accelerated second bachelor's degree programs. I actually was accepted to one in New York City. I was de- uh, declined by UVA, my alma mater, for their um, accelerated program. It was, a, it was a really packed year that year. But I, I was accepted to NYU Nursing. That brought me to living part-time in New York City, reorganizing my life to try to accommodate that 15-month program. So you did you started it, but you never finished it? I did my prereqs there. Okay. And I, re- I relocated to have a place in New York for when the full-time program would start, and, yeah. um, uh, it was a really difficult time with young children living in oh, Charlottesville, yeah. shared custody with my ex-husband, and, um, I'd always been accused of being a New Yorker my whole life, so part of me was very excited but to you had finally, But you had never
0: lived in New York, I'd but you never. were accused of being a New Yorker. Yeah,
1: something about my maybe my confidence, uh, my dark hair, and my directness uh, didn't really...
0: In your read to black and white? Yeah,
1: and didn't really read Minnesotan. Uh, nobody ever says, oh, she looks like she's from Minnesota, for, for whatever it's worth. Um, it's a pretty diverse place, but... Uh, I don't really fit
0: the i feel like i might be this podcast might be covering people all over the midwest because we had michigan was dana lewis and now minnesota is you and then jeff tang who also was on this was he lived he had lived in minnesota and tennessee so it's like i'm getting this like midwest vibe here on the podcast
1: yeah Yeah. we're all it's weird we all don't talk to each other all winter but we're, we're we're big talkers uh
0: In general, it sounds like. Maybe it's because you you don't talk for the entire winter, that once the winter breaks, it's like, we're all going to hang out and talk. Yeah, yeah. Okay, keep going. Sorry, I'm interrupting No, that's
1: okay. So then, part-time in New York, and... The, it was going to be too difficult to. Um, it was heartbreaking. My my son was about to start, or my daughter was about to start kindergarten. My son was in second grade, and um, the getting back and forth, and to, to be what I was a full time mother. So going from being a full time stay at home parent with my kids, yes. to being thrust into what am I going to do? What's my value in society? Yeah, uh, and how am I going to be a mom to these two children who need me more, now more than ever because they're going through this transition of their parents divorcing. Yeah. So I made the decision um, to pause my okay. NYU nursing career potential, and then I was networking okay. to try to find a, a, a path forward to a career. Okay. Um, I landed on a med tech career,
0: there was a so medical technology,
1: medical technology, right? Okay. So um, I had some friends that I had done some property management for who were um, in the med tech world. Okay. And one of them gave me an incredible reference. Um, At that time, I'd started a small property management company and left full time real estate, and um, got another reference from that. I built those references to try to get any med tech job. My first interview, uh, I finally did. In um, it was a company called Stryker. It was operating room sales, so I was um, in the operating room learning how the operating room worked, uh, dealing with surgeons, healthcare administrators, nurses and um design of those spaces. Okay. So it was uh my I still look back as it as one of the most life-changing moments in my career. Um the woman who hired me there had been raised by a single mother and I actually get a little choked up. I'm not gonna cry in the podcast. I only cry I for mean, joy, not for pain. That's okay. my motto.
0: Well, the um, details. People yeah. people have cried on this podcast before. Okay,
1: well not today, not MJ. <laughs> But um, I do get a little choked up thinking about it. I remember getting that job offer and um, yeah. sharing a little bit of my vulnerability with her, which is always, it's always in a job interview, we all go through these things. There's yeah. a formula to it, right? And um, I
0: mean, I guess so. I don't know.
1: Yeah, but we are humans. And I remember that she saw that in me. She saw my drive and she saw that I, I really needed a chance. And what you need yes. is for someone in their 30s, coming back into the workforce, which is what I was doing yeah, and wanting to be gainfully employed and catch up for a career that was nothing, you know, to anybody for Well, a long time. I mean, there's a
0: huge, uh, the Economist just came out with an article and it shows a graph, I'm drawing the graph, to, uh, mm-hmm. if you can't see my hands right now, but it doesn't matter if you can't see the graph on my paper, but it talks about how moms in their career and their career with men, that's like parallel. And then once you have a kid, it like drops, it puts you so far behind everybody else by being a mother, but the skills that you're learning while you're a mom arguably prepare you to be even better, right? Like one of the criticisms from my dad is, you're really bad at managing people. And I'm like, thanks dad. And now that I have a five and six year old and kids, I'm like, I'm getting better at it because I'm learning how to manage. And so there's so many skills that people don't even realize when you're a stay-at-home mom that you're learning. Yeah. Um, but keep going, sorry. No, I mean, that's a, that's a, I mean, we could spend a whole podcast on that. So
1: I know that in the US, I never was working. I wasn't working full time when I was um, a child, like having my babies, right? Yeah. I was out of the workforce until um, my youngest was about two and a half. But I So like at, seven
0: six years. Yeah. 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 It's Mater- a long time.
1: Maternity. And before that, I was out of the workforce. Mm-hmm. So it really added up to 10. Okay. Um, maternity, you know, parental leave in the U.S. is yeah. not, you don't just get that everywhere you work right no, some companies no have very you know uh, scant policies some have 6 month policies some have paternity and maternity yeah. in europe um there's you know in general like germany places like the netherlands i work for a dutch company now it's like 6 months and wow. it's incredible yeah. and you think looking back at that as an american you think this is this is unfair. We'll get, yes. There's some there's some data out there, and I wish I could. I wish I'd written it down. I didn't know what we were going to talk about. I know we didn't prepare well, guys. We just decided we're going to dive in and figure it out. But <laughs> uh, I'll just say it's anecdotal information sure. right now that in Europe, in those countries where women are ga- given that long of a leave and have their jobs back, they do um, miss opportunities for advancement. Yes. So the higher levels of those companies actually. Are the, the makeup is more men who didn't okay. leave the workforce for six months, even though it was a very, yeah. you know, a generous maternity leave yeah. program. Yeah. So I think that it's an interesting concept as a um, burgeoning politician here to be thinking about how do we, um, what is the very best way for women to do one of the most important jobs on earth, which is to have and take care of children, but also maintain their career path.
0: Well, I agree, but let's get back to this woman who gave you a chance and she saw that in your interviews and in your tenacity that you needed a chance and you were deserving of one. And, you know, there's Mel Robbins has this great podcast called The Mel Robbins Podcast, and she had someone last week where she explained like this teacher in Philadelphia and she just started the day on the intercom with like, I love you and you know, I'm here for you and creating relationships of just telling people that you love them, it's Valentine's Day, love you all, Mina, love you MJ. Um, love you. But like, so this is really, I mean, this is really powerful. You need people to believe in you in order to become successful it's like encouraging so this woman t- keep going on that story because we kind of tangented from it
1: yeah her name was Tamara she had to be at least 10 years older than me so okay. in her mid 20s and running this division at this company ten, 10 years younger or older 10 years younger did i say yeah, older yeah you said older okay younger
0: just, and yeah.
1: had been raised by a, a single mother who had, who was remarried by the time i met her but um, who, yeah. who worked really hard and she saw she believed in me and she, she she i don't i believe that if Tamara wasn't in that position in that company in that moment that I would not be sitting here today having this conversation. I really look back um, and say that my career... We should be
0: drinking champagne to her, but I know, I know. Cheers to Tamara, um, who is
1: now a mother. We're still in touch, and she is now um, a mother and has a cute little boy that I get to watch grow up on Facebook. That's Um, so cute. Yeah, so so that happened. That was was the first door, and what I needed was that first chance. And I feel like I've been proving to myself ever since then that I deserve... To be right where I am, um, I've just I'm I'm in a transition right now, um, ending the job I'm resigning from the job I'm doing now and starting a new one, and um, it's it's interesting to look back once I started my career in med tech and now what I call health tech is where okay. I'm at. Okay. Okay. Um, just making sure that your value and your worth is uh, appropriate with the position that you're that you're in, that you're paid for, um, the the title and everything like that. So I. It's been, uh, not to toot my own horn, but a little bit to toot my own horn. I have um, exceeded expectations at every, um, in every way since I, I got into the med tech and now health tech space.
0: So and not surprising at all that you exceeded expectations. Thank
1: you. And it's incredible. I've really uh, connected with, it's part of my identity now. As I was trying on a hat of what, what, what is my career going to be, I think, mission-driven Um, work is very important to me. So I'm very uh, careful about what products I work with. It has to mean something to me personally. I need to be able to... um, I mean, God, I love technology. I love things. I love machines that work. If if I had to go sell my favorite vacuum, I could do it all day, honestly. What's your your favorite vacuum? Um, It's the Dyson stick vacuum. Okay. Dyson does not
0: support this podcast, but there's your endorsement. They should. I could sell those all day long. It's so funny. So for me... Do you have a favorite vacuum? Well, the Dyson cordless, my problem is you have to hold the trigger. There needs to be a setting so, like, I could just not okay. have to hold the fin- my finger to keep it going. Like, if it just went. Like, just a button. You're right. Yeah, there just, like, press t- the button. It's on. It. And, like, because yeah. I'm holding it, I'm like, there's too much. My kitchen, like... All the crumbs between the dog and the dog hair and everything—like you're right—I
1: do get a little fatigue. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's like you're—it's you're, a trigger finger on at for yeah. like at least you know ten minutes if you're vacuuming a space well, right? Yeah, because I don't want to yeah. turn it off and on. I understand they're trying to save energy, but I kind of feel like the restart and start might be killing the battery more. I think you're right. We're here for the Dyson uh, development team. Call us and yes. we'll help you figure out how to make this yes. better. Yeah, but the functionality of it's fantastic because there's no yeah. cord. It, 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 yeah, and the battery,
1: I've already replaced my battery once. Like, I went and ordered yeah. it. Uh, it just works. The filters, anyway. Yeah, they should be supporting it. this yeah. podcast.
0: I agree. Thanks. Hey. Uh, okay, so then let's talk now. Let, let's transition just because, in the interest of time, I really want to get to this artificial intelligence piece. And so you went from med tech to health tech, and this is so important because. Most recently, before you ter- you transition to this new role you've just accepted, mm-hmm. you have been doing breast cancer detection. Detection. And let's talk about how that's affected, why this interest came, what your company did, and how instrumental this has been because what you're doing is just so great. And today on Valentine's Day, you know it's really great to love everybody that's surrounding you and that you meet on the street even. Just encourage people. But also just encourage yourself to get your health checked and let's talk about that a little bit.
1: Yeah, so, um, and I'm still in the current role and uh, we'll plug the company that I work for. It's called ScreenPoint Medical. Um, it's, it's, they, don't,
0: they don't sponsor this podcast, but we still love them and mean it.
1: We love them and mean it. Um, it's, it's AI-trained um, computer-aided detection for breast cancer. So what it is, it's a, it's a software and um, trained using um, machine learning algorithms, neural networks, and AI in a lab Okay. And then that software is installed in the environment of a hospital health system. Okay. And a radiologist, which is a person who reads mammographic images, x-rays of breast tissue, um, without AI support, they're looking through, looking for breast cancer on a mammogram is like looking for a polar bear in a snowstorm. Every breast is different. Dense breasts um, have different patterns and different tissue types that make, that hide cancer. They show up white on a mammogram, just like cancer shows up white on a mammogram. So it's an incredibly challenging um, thing to look for on breast tissue. Now, we have training programs. We have uh, breast fellowship-trained radiologists who do an extra two years of fellowship training after their general radiology residency to read mammograms. I don't want anyone to think that um, a radiologist reading without AI support today is doing a bad job. But what's incredible about AI-assisted radiologists is that AI can help the two together perform better than the two separately. We have yes. multiple clinical studies that show that. Um, what AI can help do is uh, reduce satisfaction of search errors, which is when you find one thing on an image and then you focus your time and attention on that, but maybe uh, failed to, to look at the rest of the image uh, okay. to, to kind of simplify things as much as I can. Okay. Um, and then also there's um, the AI that I work with has shown to find breast cancers up to five years earlier. So one in eight women will be diagnosed with breast cancer in her lifetime. That statistic has not changed much over the last 40 years. What about men?
0: Do you have a statistic Um, for men?
1: Just under 1% of men. So men, there are also men. I feel bad for all the men who have breast cancer in their families. They have to go in and get mammograms. Um, Most of the breast imaging centers are kind of gendered to women, but uh, breast cancer does affect men as well. Uh, Less than 1%, still important. so the, the survivability of breast cancer has increased over the, the, the last 20 years or so. Sure. Um, and the, the way that we handle, uh, and it's partly due to, to increased screening, right? yes. yes. In the U.S., we have the guidelines of once a woman turns age 40... She goes for an annual mammogram, and that's okay. covered by health insurance. Whether you're insured or not, you, you are due an annual mammogram. Okay. Um, we know that women under the age of 40 are, are sometimes diagnosed with breast cancers, and that's something that uh, is very important to me. I do, outside of my professional life, I definitely work with um, organizations like the Komen Foundation, um, the Brem the Foundation, which is um, a Maryland-based um, uh, awareness group, that tries to get, you know, more awareness for screening for, for younger women and also for just the majority of women um, who will need that screening uh, once you're age 40.
0: Wow. Well, I, I think the polar bear in the snowstorm analogy, yeah. I'd rather find the polar bear before it finds me, just like you'd rather find the breast cancer before it's found. Absolutely. All of you. Absolutely. And so this is why early detection is incredibly important. For men and women, it sounds like with men, maybe they can get tested for the gene in the cases that seem to be more prevalent in men, mm-hmm. but for women, it tends to be just more prevalent. So
1: you said something that I, I, I like this platform, and I wish I could scream it from mountaintop. So um, the breast cancer gene, the, the test that we have, BRCA1 and 2, only 1% of breast cancers are BRCA-associated. Oh, really? So is that more like a uterus cancer thing, or what is the... BRCA is associated with o- ovarian, uterine, um, colon, and breast cancer. But that right there, that statistic, 1%, less than 1% of breast cancers are BRCA positive. So wow. women out there thinking, well, I don't have the BRCA gene. I don't need to I'm get my unit. annual mammogram. Yeah. I, don't to, I don't need to give myself my um, self-exam. Everybody needs to give themselves a self-exam. Every woman needs to get screened every year.
0: So do you have a website for, like, uh, your current company that talks about how you can self-screen? Is there any videos or anything there?
1: Um, Well, we haven't talked about... Dense breasts, either okay. breast okay. density. There's so, I would, still, we could be here for hours. Yeah. So, days, de- I would look up des- densebreast.org. Okay. Um, is a great I, I want to be completely neutral and not sell something here. Sure, sure, sure. So, densebreast.org is a great website to go to, and it okay. also helps educate about breast density, which okay. is another, when I say polar bear in a snowstorm, every woman's breast tissue doesn't have that look but the ones that do, that mm-hmm. are dense across four different categories, A, B, C, or D, not size, yes. but density of the tissue, Yes, the higher the density, the more challenging it is to find the breast cancer. So not every woman has the polar bear in a snowstorm breast, mm-hmm. but this is why AI support is incredibly needed. You know, mm-hmm. Good, well-trained AI that's reliable and trustworthy. Um, and also women need to be educated about what these things mean and what it, it, it increases their risk profile. Dense breast tissue, has a masking effect. It hides breast cancer on a mammogram from detection at times. And it can also certain types of dense tissue have a higher risk of becoming breast cancer later. Wow, interesting. It's it's a lot of this is why public health is so hard in the US. So, so It's a, it's it's a lot of information. It's boring you know, (laughs) and it's hard to educate. Um, I wish we had, like, a public health star in the U.S. that was, like, giving regular updates about all this stuff. Our poor private um, practice physicians are tasked with trying to help navigate through all of this.
0: Yeah, and there's not, you know, there's, the information is just information overload, so how much is accurate, right? Like, I'm sitting here thinking that most cases of early breast cancer pre 40 are because of this BRCA gene, but MJ is sitting here telling me that that's actually not accurate. But that's kind of where, you, when I read about breast cancer, this is what I'm thinking. And when I think of, you know, I know eight eight women here in Charlottesville, Virginia, where I think our population's under 30,000 people if you count students even, and that's eight women that are in my close friend circle who have had. Breast cancer between the ages of 20 and 40, so within that, that super young age bracket that you're talking about. Yeah. So, get checked, get checked early, do self checks, you know, men and women. And let's, artificial intelligence is helping with that. And pre-show, MJ was talking a little bit about artificial intelligence comes in two different forms. Yeah, and this was interesting to me because I'm literally like the most, I'm so on tech savvy. You all might be able to notice that by my website, by my Facebook page. Thank goodness I have Judah here who's helping me be better at all these things. Um, But yeah, so this is when MJ started talking to me about this. I know I sat on a kind of a panel. I didn't sit on the panel. I listened in on the panel at the University of Virginia Darden School of Business. That's now the number one public school in the world. Yeah, UVA. Um, But Yael, who's a famous professor from, from UVA, Darden School of Business, she's talked about AI and how it helps in everything from food service to financed to, t- to healthcare. And so, and in, in let's talk a, bit, a little bit about what you said before the show. I don't even remember the two types of AI, but this was important, I felt.
1: Well, in my world, I mean, there's so many types of AI. There's generative yeah. AI. Um, what does that mean?
0: What is generative? Should we start defining the first so one? So generative AI, AI,
1: I mean, this is not my category. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like when it um, creates, it generates text. Like open, I think chat GPT would be generative AI. So like when I do speech
0: to text, but I speak too quickly and that's generative AI. Yeah. Okay. This is, I'm giving a ex- real world example. T- yes. okay. okay. And
1: then open AI chat GPT is it basically, you put something in and you ask it for an output and then it gra- really quickly surfs the internet for you and gives you an output and you hope that it's accurate, but you have to realize that what it's trained on yeah. might be if, if bad data in, bad data out. Garbage in, garbage out. So, so that's is what like, you have to be careful with. I can give with. an
0: example that might be a little controversial. It seems like some of those, maybe that someone who might've been in charge of an elite Ivy, Ivy league college might've used that. And it came off as plagiarism, uh, with this gener like this, this chat G, what is it? Yeah. Oh, chat GPT is the product. Open yeah. AI is the company. Okay. But open AI, it's a, it's a great
1: name because it is open AI. Okay. It's literally the thing that it is. Yes. It's all over. So, um, I went to a writing conference in...
0: with, MJ's going to write a book, so when she publishes it, we're all going to buy it, <laughs> and we'll do signed copies of it, and we'll I talk about so. that. I sure hope so. I can't wait for the title. Is it forthcoming?
1: It's forthcoming. Okay. Yes, I'm okay. working on it. But my kickoff to that was attending a writing conference in Cape Cod by my dear friend Kwame Alexander, who is now a New York Times bestselling author multiple times. What's um, a
0: book that we can buy first. He first? So, he's oh, written 10, sorry, over him.
1: 35 books, so I can't even begin. How with, do we
0: spell his name? Because I'm so um, dyslexic. Kwame.
1: Kwame. Uh, K W A M E. And okay. then Alexander, um, he's wow. a new Newberry medalist, um, award winner. Ac-
0: Basically zero accolades. Today. Yeah. Zero. He's,
1: he's kind of a big deal. He just won an Emmy for a show he had on Dis- Disney plus. He's kind of a big deal.
0: Okay. I love um, it. So you went to his, I went to writing a writing retreat. workshop. Okay.
1: In, in Cape Cod last October and I learned, um, open AI came up. There was a gal yeah. there who, um, the, the, the group, it was a small group of like 25 people. There was a gal there who is a sophomore at a major um, institution in the, in the Mid-South that I won't name, who was using OpenAI to yeah. write her memoir, which was a very controversial topic. She was well, telling like said, it...
0: really quickly, like, yeah. I mean, like, how do I know what's pulling for my real life and what it's just gathering that's junk in, junk out? Right. Well, you could say, uh, write me a
1: story. You could give it certain things. Write me a story in the voice of... And I don't think she was purposely plagiarizing she was giving yeah. details of her life and then asking it to write a story okay. but you could say write me a poem in the style of Robert Frost and OpenAI wow. would give you something it I mean I had a friend who was starting his real estate career and I said why don't you just do on your Instagram a joke a day and I said to chat give me a hundred jokes a hundred real estate jokes and within 30 seconds Get I it. had an output which is super fun mm-hmm. right yes but Back I mean, to the you, writing conference. Are you are
0: you are you tagging the person who maybe came up with that
1: joke? Not you. Absolutely not. Yes. Back to the writing conference. It came okay. up. This this young woman talking about how she was using Chat to write her memoir, and she was being honest about it. Like yes. I'm a young person. I'm on the AI committee in my college. Yes. I'm doing this because it's a thing. You know. I'm,
0: I'm, yeah. Yeah. And, I think I can't wait to have my uh, yeah. fourth year UVA students on the podcast here talking how they use it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, Kwame shared that. There
1: is a collection of authors who are uh, forming together to sue OpenAI, or to the, because they trained the algorithm on people's work and didn't license it.
0: Yeah, and, I mean that's kind of messed up, right?
1: Yeah. So yeah. that's these are the things yeah. that are scary about it. And I think yeah. the New York Times is currently selling or suing OpenAI because um, it was trained on their on their online journalism. So. Okay. Okay. So the world I'm in, yes. that's open AI, and I yes. use it for things. Yes. Um, I don't use it to create content that I want to be my creative writing. I, that's, yeah. a part, that's a line that I draw sure. for myself, and then I'll never cross it. I'm pretty sure I'll never, ever drop my professional creative writing into chat. Um, but I work with medical AI.
0: I'm here to redline it for you after you write it Thank normally. You. And then we can like, you know, yeah, I love yeah. that. Yeah. I
1: love that. I've always, everybody needs a good editor, right? Yeah. Um, but I work with medical AI, which is approved and cleared by the FDA. And it's okay. not, you know, I have to tell some of my customers this, they, uh, they're under the impression that my AI, good AI is all about what data set it's trained on. The larger the data set, the cleaner the data set, the more accurate the data set. So the, the, the AI that I work with uh, currently in breast cancer detection is trained on breast cancers. It's trained on normal breast exams and it's trained on abnormal breast exams with biopsy-proven breast cancers. So the training data set is over a million images and then yes. every time the company I work for does a clinical study with a, a, a research partner, sure, their data, becomes part of the next version of the product. And every version of the product that is released for use at the health system that you might be getting your mammogram at is approved by the FDA. Okay. So that is the difference. And so the fear, like uh, the the conversation about ChatGPT and OpenAI has in one way helped me with my job, which is to bring what I think is the very best product Yes. Um, to as many breast imaging centers as possible and in the hands of as many radiologists as possible to help women. Okay. Um, it's, it's sometimes infected the conversations I'm having because yeah. they're like, well, I heard all this terrible stuff about ChatGPT and OpenAI yeah. and they think that I'm bringing them something that's uncontrolled and unstable. And that is, in one way, all press is good press. I can say, well, let's talk about what the differences are. Yes. Um, but in another way, I think... Uh, it's important to know the difference, and as consumers are more aware of how AI can help improve quality in healthcare, yes, in food service, yes, in um, you know texts, if we yes. if we're able to talk to text, right? We all yes. need to kind of. Um, pivoting to something I attended, you know, I went yeah, to a few weeks ago. Yeah, I was
0: literally just going to ask you. We're on the, same, we're on the yeah. same wavelength here.
1: Yeah, so I tried to get you to go, but it w- didn't know, work it did out work with your family schedule. schedule. Um, I went to a, um, a, a consortium of, of sorts. It was called AI and the 2024 elections, and it was a think tank group of people. I was yes. just a listener, not a panelist, um, talking about AI and society and particularly sure. about the upcoming elections. Um, I learned that AI affected the recent elections in Argentina, uh, I learned about deep fakes. Apparently, during the New Hampshire primary, there was... Deep
0: fakes? What does that mean?
1: Uh, deep fakes are... Oh, deep
0: fakes, like fake people. Yeah, like okay. a deep
1: fake. Okay. Somebody, uh, the the other side had put created a deep fake phone call of Joe Biden calling his constituents in New Hampshire during mm-hmm. the primaries and telling them, don't go out and vote. It's not important. And it was identified pretty quickly. But just to give you an idea that this is something that, um, you know industry, government is looking at in the U.S. It's, it's a very important concept. And I learned that at that talk that um, um, the the elections in Argentina were recently affected by AI. Okay. And I'm sure we're going to have more and more stories of that coming out. Yeah. My idea out of that day yeah. was, Something. I think, hopefully soon, there will be an AI Bill of Rights for citizens in the, in, in the United States. Yeah. Okay. And part of that is just what can we expect? When can we... How, can we expect to know yeah. what AI, where it is, and where it isn't? Well, I mean, like, look at standards
0: ahead. and regulations. Well, I mean, there has to be because, like, look at even like those pictures of Taylor, Taylor Swift that came out that were AI oh generated, God. right? I, yeah. I didn't look at them, but I heard. About I mean, them. I didn't either. But I mean, these are just—I'm so bad at reading the news. So the fact that like I saw it on the headline, and then this thing with elections. I mean, it's literally everywhere, and it's a lot of it's fake. Like some people will even say, "Is Joe Biden real?" A half of his appearances, mm-hmm. or is this AI? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we don't know what's happening anymore. So there has to be. A, I think it's a great idea: a bill of rights for an AI. What bill is allowable? Yeah,
1: yeah, and for a way for us. I mean, it, it'll take a while, and the the big conversation that's being had now is whose responsibility is it? Is it now? Some people will say there's a lot of lawyers, tech lawyers, who are salivating over. Lawsuits to to sue tech companies. It's your fault. It's your it's it's your job. You know, yes. in in the U.S. we we don't proactively make laws. We reactively make laws. Sure, we wait till there's a precedent and then we make a law. Um, it would be great with this issue if we could be proactive, and um, but it may not be that way. We may have to wait till things bad things happen to create policy around it. I don't know where it's gonna go.
0: I don't know either. I think in the United States though, people wanna have the freedom to be able to choose. And then I think that a lot of these AI, that is not the health AI, the let's get our processes smoother in a food line operation. Let's get our driving better, right? Like there's AI on your phone with your health app where you can then see, okay, I'm walking, the past week I've been walking to the right side what is going on? Do mm-hmm, I, you mm-hmm. know, is my spine out of um, awareness? Like, it, it, do I, did I sprain my ankle? Really? Like, what happened? Am I am I having like heart issues? There's a lot of cool ways AI is working, but where is it crossing the line? And until those your freedoms are being taken away, where like Taylor Taylor Swift, her freedom was taken away, right? Like someone that's not who she is, and that's yeah. where they painted a picture of her. That's where like. <laughs> I think you're going to need those examples to create, unfortunately, the precedent.
1: Yeah, I know. All. It is unfortunate yeah. that there has to be some um, some sacrifice there. Oh, my gosh. Um, I love joyful AI stories tell to bring to it back. That. All right, let's bring it back to joy. I mean, finding a breast cancer five years earlier leads yes, to a longer amazing. life expectancy. Unless um, there's the breast cancer tax nobody talks about. is We have mutual friends who have yep. gone through breast cancer. Um, just the cost, it's, it's not all covered by insurance. Um, and so just... Finding it early, treating it early leads to longer life expectancy, most importantly, and less cost for healthcare system and yes. for the person, for the, for the victim of the breast cancer. Um, but other things that like sliding over, like AI is in dating apps. Um, okay. I met my current husband on Bumble and, oh, um, that. an algorithm hey, helped Lars, me this one's for you. <laughs> an algorithm helped us find each other. Uh, he was just like 90 minutes away. Yeah. And, um, for whatever reason, I, I, I will always be grateful to that. Um, we were recently in Florida visiting, celebrating our anniversary, but also visiting a friend of mine. I've had, I think I've known her about as long as I've known you. Okay. Um, she relocated there after uh, living in Charlottesville and dating in Charlottesville for quite some yeah. time, had a long term relationship here, left and moved back to Florida. And about, I, I guess, like three months in, she was on Bumble. Yeah. And Bumble reconnected her with her. High school, end of high school, early first year of college, boyfriend. Oh my goodness! And we are going to their wedding on Memorial Day weekend this year. That's they amazing. are getting married, and it's like I think, I think that those stories are incredible, right? If you're on, sure. if you're on the apps forever and you can't find anybody, something's not working. But AI assistance, uh, when 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 it works, it, it really does work, and it brings incredible um, opportunities for joy and connection. Um, in my talk track, back to the medical AI part, yeah breast radiologists go specifically into that specialty because they have a passion for patient care, um, the conversations that you have to have with, with women who have breast cancer. It's not a one and done, see you later. Once a woman has breast cancer, she's, she's coming back for screening intervals, for treatment, sometimes there's recurrence. So it's, it's a doctor who, a lot of radiologists sit in a room and read x-rays all day, but a breast radiologist yes. also has that patient care component. Yes, And I talk a lot about how AI support Actually, reunites doctors with their patients. Cool. Again, where, you know, I remember when I had the same uh, primary care doctor in Charlottesville for many, for the first 10 years I lived here. Yes. And I remember when electronic medical records came up. And I don't know if you remember this in your own personal health history. I remember when I went to a doctor's appointment and I sat and looked at the doctor like this or the nurse. And we just had a human interaction and maybe the person took some notes on a chart. And I remember when a laptop, Came into the room, yes. and my doctor was looking at her laptop, and right. then most of the time looking at the laptop and talking to me. Now every exam room has a computer in it. They're clicking boxes. There's yes. really little eye contact when yes. the human's in the room. Yes, and we've kind of accepted that yes. that is normal. But the reason we go and sit in a room, there's like an intangible part of practicing medicine and caring for others. That I think AI, I think we're going we're gonna to get in the next five to 10 years, we're going to get to a place where those human interactions that are so important and a part of a long-term healthcare outcomes yes. return yes. to the healthcare environment and where some of those other tasks are put with AI and, and you know, with always a human signing off and intervening. But yes. I'm really hopeful about the future.
0: Okay, awesome. I love that. And so in the interest of time, um, mm-hmm. we, I want to just pivot with some fun questions to end our time together okay. because this has been really interesting, and I think there was a lot on the table, like you're transitioning to healthcare oncology AI. Like, There's so much more, and we're going to have to yes. have you on again to so continue next, the next conversation. Starting in March. Um, but since my day job is I'm a luxury travel consultant with Scouted Adventures. Please, all of you, if anyone needs help planning trips, call me. Uh, but let's talk about really quickly, what is the best place you've been and why, and then what's on your bucket list? I, um, I love Spain. I love Me too. to travel
1: to Spain as a country. I okay. love, um, the certain parts of it that are, uh, socialist, like the gazpacho is same everywhere is the same everywhere you order it. Yes. Uh, I love that. I love taking the train. I like, um, The south of France, I like all over Spain. Um, I like the culture, the food, um, the people. That's got to be. And on my bucket list, I want to go to the Nordics, to Scandinavia. Um, Awesome. My husband and I talk about this, getting a like, not a van down by the river, but one of those cool modern you know, uh, pull, pull along houses Yes, and just driving and boating when we have to like across Winne- the Like Nordics. a
0: Winnebago, but trendier.
1: Yeah, trendier More Nordic chic. Yeah, less American looking and more European, more Scandinavian, but just um, uh, being in those kind of places. So that's bucket list stuff.
0: And I love that. And I know you've had a lot of wonderful man, men and women who have been supportive of your career and all the things you've done, you know, over the past years of your life. But what's the best advice you could give us?
1: That it's never um, too late to reinvent yourself. I would say, um, in the career I have now, uh, I wouldn't have imagined. I feel like I lost a lot of time. But it turns out I was able to make up for that. And um, finding, knowing when to share your vulnerability with the right person who can open some doors for you. That's not a small package of advice but just where my head's at what we've talked about today i would say just don't be afraid to reinvent yourself
0: well i love that well mj thank you so much for joining us and as mj said it's never too late to reinvent yourself uh love you mean it happy valentine's day from us to you and remember that advice i think that's been a common theme here on the juicy details that it's never too late to reinvent yourself and just follow a new path and be excited about it And artificial intelligence can help you. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks so much. All right. Well, thank you, MJ. All right. Love you, mean it all. Thanks. Again, message me if you have any topics you'd like to include on the juicy details or if you'd like to be a guest. Thank you. See you next Wednesday.